Hello and welcome to Total Reboot. This is not just any episode of Total Reboot, the only podcast on the internet about movies, cinema, and the entertainment those mediums bring us. This is the 200 or thereabout, about, thereabouts, thereabouts, 200 or thereabouts episode spectacular. Mm. My name is Alexi Toliopoulos and joining me as always is one of the greatest minds to ever touch the mic, mm. Cameron James. And uh, let the record show my mind is touching the mic right You now. have a small incision in yes. your head mm-hmm. that is direct access from the human mind. And we've got a lav mic mm-hmm. clipped <laughs> to the edge of my skull. And the head of the microphone is pressed right against my cerebellum mm-hmm. right now. So, Cameron currently is in a state of comatose. Yeah. He has his eyes rolled back into the yep. back of his head. His mouth is open, drooling ever mm-hmm. so slightly. Mm-hmm. But in the power of audio, you should be hearing loud and clear with a direct link to his head. Yep. And, um, guys, I'm not doing well. <laughs> <laughs> Thoughts and prayers are appreciated at this time, but so is cold mm-hmm. hard cash because mm-hmm. my family cannot afford to keep me on life support. Yeah, but we are doing the best we can to keep Cameron there. I'm spending day and yeah. freaking night by his bedside describing into that incision plots and summaries of his favorite movies of all time. And also, thank you, Alexi, for uh, changing my catheter. <laughs> well, and of course, the pleasure's all mine. <laughs> <laughs> the first hands-free transfer of catheters <laughs> ever performed in this hospital. <laughs> but Cameron, to celebrate 200 episodes of Total Reboot, a yes, podcast that we have about. loved. Yeah, I think we're past it. I don't know what counts as an episode that fills this feed up. I stopped counting episodes probably at like 50. Sure. And then we swapped seasons when we changed format. Mm-hmm. So we're like 100 plus into the new format of Total Reboot. Sure. I've done my magic moodoo mathematics around mm-hmm. this. People, 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 carry the two. <laughs> I carried the one. I carried the two. Mm, carry the three. You did the math. We did the math, and it turns out we're past 200 episodes, but we're in the <laughs> roundabout area of it. So we thought now is the time yeah. to freaking celebrate it. Sure. Let's celebrate. Let's do the most celebratory thing mm-hmm. we can imagine. List a bunch of movies that we like. And this is <laughs> how we tend to celebrate and manifest milestones in our life. Sure. When we, you and I reach in the milestone, we're like, hey, what do you want to do? Why don't we just hang out, catch up, and talk at each other about some of our favorite flicks? List things. <laughs> we, we enjoy. We love lists. <laughs> we love lists. But this is kind of an encompassing lifetime sure. of cinema. We've done this before. Mm-hmm. We've done a version of this before. In 2018? I think so. It yeah. was maybe even a bit earlier. It was when we were wrapping up 100 episodes of the Blank Slate Movie Podcast. It was during the Trump podcast. presidency. That much we know. I remember that. Yes, there was a dark shadow upon me at that time. I thought it was great. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> We've done this once before. Mm-hmm. I looked through my list of lifetime movies that I chose mm-hmm. and... 
I tried to pick some different ones. Mm-hmm. Did you do something similar? I did something similar. I tried to pick some different ones, but basically I go year for year, our yep. favorite movie of that year. And then sometimes I'm like, well, that was my favorite movie at that time. Mm. Sometimes it's a movie I've discovered more recently. Sometimes it's a total rediscovery for me, which yep. is an ultimate title for this freaking podcast. If you will, total rediscovery. That would be such a sick title for this show. <laughs> We're going to retitle the show for this episode, Total Rediscovery. <laughs> <laughs> but I I think it's like a amorphous kind of list for me because some are different, some are the same from the last time we did it. But each one I've kind of selected because not just it's my favorite from that year or that time period, but more so I have a real passion for sharing uh, my passion and inspiration and fascination with cinema and kind of helping people be introduced to movies that they will love. And so I kind of looked at the list that I've done and go, what are movies that I've never really talked about before in this podcast Mm -hmm. or ones I've never shared before or ones that I kind of am desperate to just like tap into briefly uh, at the moment? How Mm -hmm. about you? What are you kind of looking at? Well- my relationship with the flicks has changed a lot over mm-hmm. my lifetime and a lot over the course of us podcasting together. Mm. As you might recall, in early days, I was a bit of a snob. Yes. I was obsessed with independent mm-hmm. cinema. The importance of the art house at certain points as yes, well. Yes, loved it. Refused to watch anything stupid mm-hmm. or a waste of time or action movies. Yeah. In the years since then, Mm -hmm. I have now almost entirely only watched genre movies. Yes. That's what has been so fun over the years of us podcasting together about movies. You have been really introduced to genre in a big way. And you could look at that as the dumbing down of society. I don't think about it that way at all. I think it's about you embracing the categorization of genre and finding appreciation because you never were a genre guy until you started doing this. I mean, but, but I guess I was when I was a kid. You know, mm. it's like when you're a kid, all you really know are the big blockbustery mm. genre movies, and then you go through your wanky millennium mindfuck phase. Mm-hmm. You come out the other side of that in independent cinema phase, yep. uh, down and dirty pictures, you know, all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. And then now, I think I view cinema. I'm I, I, a little bit differently to you. I'm not really using it to discover as much mm. as I used to. I mainly use it for comfort. Yeah. And so a lot of the picks that I've chosen, they're not going to be the best movies of mm. all time, but they are the films that bring me the most joy yes. from each year, the comfort films, a reason to the return. rewatchables, the yeah. reason to returns. Mm. So that's largely where I've landed on this list. There will be some wanky choices. Oh, I'm not y- going to- You can't help it. But there'll also be some pure popcorn yeah. in this list. There's going to be a lot of- Well, that's our favorite, popcorn with a little bit of wank in there. Yeah. So that's- the way you do that usually- <laughs> You make another small another incision. incision. <laughs> uh, even smaller than the one in my <laughs> cranium. Yeah, the one in Cameron's cranium is actually like really big, the size of like a tuna in, can. Yeah, in comparison to the size of the incision in the bottom of the popcorn, which mm. will be a pinprick in the width. <laughs> 
And that's generous. Mm, absolutely. But we are generous folks on this podcast. Sure, sure, sure. So we're going to dive into it. We're going to be talking about some movies of some significance to us each year of our whole freaking lifetime as moviegoers. I would say kind of my journey, it might not even be reflected in this, but... Uh, I've been on a different journey to you. I was always a genre guy. Like, I just adore genre pictures. I love the categorization, the history of genre, the way genre communicates to an audience Mm -hmm. in a way that they understand. And I think since then, my cinephilia has evolved to the only things that I truly get, like, interested and excited about, like, discovering now is, like, crappy martial arts movies and vintage gay pornos from the 70s. And, like, this is, like... (laughs) Because you collect Blu-rays mm-hmm. of like crappy, yeah. shitty martial arts movies. That somehow has done like 4K remaster. Like of Beyond some B, like fucking mm-hmm. D, E, yeah. E level movies. Were we inventing letters at certain points? <laughs> yeah, you're in the Greek <laughs> alphabet. What's like bizarre about this is that it matches like the exact trajectory of a porn addict mm. who like they go through <laughs> they go through all the mainstream stuff yep. and then all of a sudden they find themselves on the like the mm-hmm. craziest kink that you could even imagine yeah. because uh, nothing works for them anymore exactly i've seen everything it's got to be <laughs> i need to be totally surpri- surprised be viewing things in not just a language I don't know, but a cinematic language that I don't always recognize. That's what gets me excited. Mm. Like, I've been getting a lot of Bollywood cinema recently because it's a different cinematic language than I am used to. I watched one called Disco Dancer from the 70s. Mm-hmm. I thought it was on Netflix. I'm like, this is going to be Bollywood Saturday Night Fever. Mm. It's like an espionage movie <laughs> with like some of the best songs you've ever heard in it. Yeah, just, I guess. I can't. I can never fathom a world mm. where I'm watching that. <laughs> I, if it's a choice between discovering something mm. new that challenges me or just watching The Mummy again, yeah, well, I'm more on. likely to watch The Mummy yeah. again. Well, you, and you, The Mummy might appear on my list. It would not surprise me at all. <laughs> well, Cameron, you are but a fraction older than me. A little... Yeah, we're doing an age reveal on this podcast. Yeah, well, this is it. And I'm going to mm. delete these episodes as soon as they come out. <laughs> so Only no, a few I'm people alone. hear them. I'm actually, unlike you, very proud of my age. Mm. I feel like... I get wiser and cooler mm. and more interesting every passing year. Yeah. Uh, every leaf that falls from the tree. Yeah. <laughs> every s- revolution around this mm-hmm. goddamn rock. Yeah. I, f- I love it. So, I'm an old man now. I'm 34 years old. And we're going to do this first episode. It's going to be from that starting point yeah. to 2005. Sure. And then part two will be when I commence. 2005 is when you were <laughs> yeah, born. when I was born and when <laughs> things will commence. So, we're going from... <laughs> So the, first, the first few years are just me. Mm. And then you were born in 05. Crazy I was born year. in 05. Post 9-11. Post 9-11. That was mm. my first memory was going, wow, fourth anniversary. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what year were you born? Uh, you'll find out. <laughs> so you'll just cut me off at a certain point. Yeah, I've got one to add at this point. <laughs> All right, we'll start with 1988, the year that I was born. Not mm-hmm. the year I was conceived, as long-time listeners mm-hmm. will know. That was the year before. 1987. My Your birthday's in January, right? Time. Yeah, yeah. 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 So p- probably May? May I? May I please <laughs> fuck you? My dad said to my mom. My mum granted him permission. Thank goodness. <laughs> several months later, I was born. But, um, you know, last time I did this list, my pick was Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Oh, all time. It's really hard to top mm-hmm. that. 
I looked through at what else. And came many out have that tried, year. including Jessica Rabbit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I looked through mm-hmm. um, what came out that year, and there's like honestly not much that's in my regular mm. viewing. The closest to being a regular watch for me is the movie Scrooged. Oh, because you got it. It's a Christmas excuse. Because I watch it every Christmas. Yeah, the Scrooge Claws, I call it. <laughs> it's um, it's great. It's got your favorite musician in it, Buster Poindexter, aka David Johansson. Yes, one of the people the New York I'm Dolls. most fascinated by. Scott yeah. says you just made a documentary about him. Yeah, uh, I love him in that movie. He, he great performance, crazy mm-hmm. performance, really odd choice. Fun it's, guy. For me, when I watch that movie, I think. They wanted Gilbert Gottfried, mm. and for some reason he said no. And they got a guy like, well, I guess he's cooler than Gilbert. <laughs> but he's sort of doing Gilbert mm. in the movie. Um, another choice that I nearly landed on was F- A Fish Called Wanda, mm. which is a great Love flickeroo. That movie. Love it. It's a heist so movie, funny. it's a comedy. Mm-hmm. It's got Kevin Klein, Oscar winning. He won the Oscar. Oscar winning performance. The very rare example of a comedic performance winning the freaking Oscar. Yeah. And how do you think he is in that movie? How do I think he is? Do you like that? I think he's fantastic in that movie. Me too. Superb. One of my favourite performances. I think it's one of the great performances of all time. When he's in the (laughs) the boudoir and he puts that cowboy boot to his head and like sniffs it in and out. Yeah. One of the coolest bits of physical acting I've ever seen. <laughs> I think it's so awesome. And I think we've said this on the record. Um, probably the only Oscar-winning performance that in the same movie, the character has a cross-eyed orgasm. <laughs> yeah. It's between that and, I'd say, Hilary Swank and Million Dollar Baby, <laughs> the only two. But I, but I really, I, I'm sorry for doing this, but mm-hmm. I really couldn't go past Roger Rabbit for a number one pick. Uh, could you not? I have to stick with it. I'm yeah. sorry to say. It's just too good. Mm, I, I, I agree with you. I yeah. have often said it is like a pinnacle of cinema, yeah. of craft meeting mm-hmm. artistry, mm-hmm. of so many different factions coming together, and that Bob Hoskin performance. Yeah. Still number one all-time cinematic performance for me. Number he's, one. He's the detective for me. Mm-hmm. Keep your Bogarts. Bogarts suck my ass. And suck don't Alexi's ass through the <laughs> tiny incision known as the butthole. <laughs> it's an incision that was had to be made by God himself. Or herself. Yes, you know, God, we don't know. We what, don't know. It could just be an asshole. <laughs> wow. Dennis Leary Now that's style. a Dennis Leary song <laughs> waiting to happen. But I agree with you. What do you get when you re-watch Roger Webber? <laughs> <laughs> a new tongue twister was born. <laughs> what do you get when you re-watch Roger Rabbit? Um, what do I get? I get... I, I watch it... I've seen it so many times. I know mm-hmm. it like a song. I know it beat for beat. Yeah. But I'm just constantly amazed by the humanity of Bob Hoskins' performance. Beautiful. Opposite tennis balls, essentially. Mm-hmm. <laughs> People that aren't there. And he pretty much invented the type of acting that is yeah. so commonplace today, you know? Yeah. And it's interesting to see someone of his ability doing it at that time, inventing... Yeah. Acting against invisible objects, and now we see, you know, Ian McKellen. Yeah. Actors of that caliber have to do sure. it as well now. I see, I focus on that, and then the other part of me focuses on the ingenuity of Bob Zemeckis at the peak of his powers. Mm-hmm. I believe I, I'm 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 a Bob Zemeckis fan 
But I really do believe you there love is that a late point period. Where like he falls off. <laughs> no, the later part of this point, list is going to be Pinocchio. There's a point where he falls off, and I pray <laughs> that he comes. I nearly watched Pinocchio. Mm. I've nearly clicked play on it. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, just, I can't. I just know that he did fall off mm. when, like Beowulf. Earlier? I like Beowulf. That, but that's the one that I like of that late period. Yeah. You know, yeah. Because no, I'm, no. I'm a I'm um, a Forrest Gump, yeah, apologist, and I'm a Forrest Gump insulterist. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Gump supporter. <laughs> okay, well, good on your Gump. All right, let's move on to 1989. 89. Uh, okay. What's look- going on in the world? 89. Awesome stuff, I guess. Yeah. What's your pick? <laughs> I just have to contextualize at a moment. 1989, Newcastle earthquake. Wow. Big, okay. Famous event in Newcastle. So you're like one year old, going hold me. I'm a par- I'm one year old, mm-hmm. apparently not even noticing the earthquake. Wow. You're everyone like- else is freaking out. I don't give two or three shits. Well, you know that's not that. That's actually abnormal for a baby. Babies normally doing multiple shits a day (laughs) (laughs) and your pick is okay um i just want to give a couple of shout outs Mm -hmm. quickly a shout out to indiana jones and the last crusade i rewatched recently and that was always my least favorite Mm. of the original trilogy and then i watched it again and go ah it's actually some really sublime screenwriting moments in here that just tore me apart beautiful movie adolf hitler in there come on i know the cameo of the The all ages the viewer Uh, Little Mermaid comes out in 1989. I love The Little Mermaid. Love that Great era songs. of the Disney Renaissance. Great songs. Uh, Chris- <laughs> National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, another mm-hmm. often watched movie of mine. But I'm going to give it to one that I only discovered last year when I was a guest on Peter Hellier's podcast. Oh, wow, hell yeah, Peter. Uh, so thanks to Peter Hellier for this. We love you, Pete. This is... Pick is dedicated to Peter Hellier, one of the great comedians. I'm pouring one out for him right now. Something bad happened. Yeah, I'm pouring, <laughs> I'm pouring out my asshole. Oh, no. <laughs> we just got word <laughs> Peter Hellier has once again had a fake death announced on Twitter. <laughs> uh, and the movie is Parenthood. Oh, I love this movie. How good is Parenthood? I love this movie. Parenthood fucking rocks. Mm. Ronnie Howard. Randy Newman. Yes, Scorby. I am Randy Newman. <laughs> Hello, Jerry. I'm horny. I'm horny for you, Jerry. <laughs> I've been masturbating, Jerry. <laughs> Jerry, don't lick that envelope, Jerry. <laughs> Great performances from mm-hmm. everyone all around. It's the transition of Steve Martin from mm-hmm. goofball to just being a dad in movies. Yeah, which I love. Love both eras of Steve Martin. Oh, uh, and I, I, I'm, I'm a Ronnie Howard apologist. I love Ronnie. I find him so interesting. Big Ron guy because he's. He, I find him interesting because he's maybe the most boring filmmaker ever. <laughs> because his films are either they're always like a chronicle of America at that time, whether yep. it's a historical thing that he's. Mm-hmm. Doing where he's looking at the past or a contemporary thing, I feel like that he each movie is some kind of like surveillance of America, like what he's feeling, mm-hmm. what he's thinking. And Parenthood, I think, is it, at points in time has been my number one favorite movie of all time. It's sick. I love it. Beautiful I think that Ron Howard, um, well, Night Shift is an outlier. It's his first feature mm. film, and it's fucking great. It's Funny a really ass. great comedy. Yeah. Introduces the world to Michael Keaton. Mm. Um, s- fucking sick Henry and Winkler performance. And the world said, a pleasure to meet <laughs> you, brother. Can't wait till Beetlejuice Juice and Batman. And the, and then after that, come back to us in about 15 years. Mm, I will talk Birdman and Spotlight back to back. Yeah. And let- you'll be ignored for both. <laughs> <laughs> but you'll be great. Yeah. 
Um, but I love Parenthood. I think it's so funny. I think it's like the blueprint for what a lot of dramedies would do mm. afterwards. A lot of people talk about James L. Brooks as the blueprint for Judd Apatow. I think this movie should Big be time. mentioned in the same conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's also, it shows the style that uh, Ron would later do as the EP of Arrested Development, which mm. is a great sitcom for a couple of seasons. He do, Ron And then Ron. an okay one for a few more. And then, I don't know, I st- I don't, there's one season I haven't seen. And you can't find it anywhere. It's not on anything anymore. Yeah, crazy. It makes me feel psycho. <laughs> but anyway, I love Parenthood. I'd love mm-hmm. to give a big mention to that. Oh, I love this movie. I've mm-hmm. never watched a TV show. Me neither, but Dax is in it. My boy Dax. We love Dax. And, of course, Coach himself is oh, in it, yes. Craig T. Nelson. Yes, Craig rep- T. Reprising the role of Jason Robards. Love that Robards yeah. performance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, love Robards. I think that cast is just... A beautiful ensemble. Everyone I, I will now watch it every year. Mm. As long as I live, I'll watch it. I watched wow. it in the week that I watched it for Pete's podcast. I watched it three times. I wow. just loved it. And shout out to Pete's podcast. We will not say the title of it. Because it's about movies. It's about movies. So. Technically, it is about movies. Technically, it's about movies. I Look up Pete's podcast. You'll find it, I think. Yeah, because, yeah, I mean, we, we often do say mm-hmm. we're the only podcast about movies. Yeah. A couple of others have got under the radar mm-hmm. over the years, behind our backs. What is the title of it? I don't know. Okay. I'll put it in, maybe. Oh, is it? You Ain't Seen Nothing Yet or something? Yeah, it's called You Ain't Seen Nothing Yet. We'll leave that in there. That's all in there now. <laughs> <laughs> so, now you all know it. 1990. Are you born yet? Not yet. Keep going, Holy brother. Holy crap, brother. Last time I picked Misery. Yeah, oh, great. I rewatched recently. Me too. Love How it. good is it? Rob Reiner is <sighs> like a... Another weird director. The best run. The How good best is he, run of all time. But he's—I put him in the same ballpark as like a, a Ronnie Ron Howard or something. Where it's like, what is your style? I think that he's a Ronnie <laughs> Howard with a deeper talent of yeah, storytelling. Yeah, yeah. You know, mm. Ronnie Howard extremely prolific. Rob Reiner mm. less prolific, mm. but the hits each one is a genre-defining classic. Love Misery. Love mm-hmm. Stand by Me. Uh, Nineteen ninety also sees Home Alone. Oh yeah, Rescuers Down Under. Mm-hmm. But I picked uh, a new discovery for me. I watched this maybe two years ago during yes. the lockdown, and the movie is called Postcards from the Edge. <gasps> Mike Nichols, based on yes. Carrie Fisher's biography. Have you correct? ever seen it? I have, but not for a really long time. It's a rare comedic or early comedic performance from Meryl Streep. Yeah, before she kind of does a slate of comedies. Shirley MacLaine plays her famous mum, and she is fucking and sensational mm. in it. And it's a take on Debbie Reynolds and Carrie Fisher's relationship. Yeah, and um, it's pretty fucking no holds barred. Like, mm. it goes pretty heavy into Carrie Fisher's struggles with the bottle. Mm. Um, spin the bottle. She was addicted, <laughs> she was addicted to playing spin the bottle. <laughs> great bit. Is that great funny? Bit alert. Yeah, That's it's a great a bit, bit alert. Keep that as an aside. you got to say something <laughs> like that. That's very funny. <laughs> Yeah, uh, so it's pretty hardcore. Like, it deals with rehab and um, Mm. alcoholism and weird relationships between mothers and daughters. Mm -hmm. I watched it with my wife who could She's a daughter. She's a daughter. She has a mother. Um, It's fucking great. I can't recommend it highly enough. Mike Nichols is one of those filmmakers Mm. who 
I never do a deep dive on, mm. but every time I watch one of his movies, I go, is this guy one of the greats? Yeah, Birdcage, The Graduate. <clears throat> yes. He's made some of the greats, and I would highly recommend Mark Harris's biography on Mike Nichols. Oh, fuck. Fantastic. Cool. Mark Harris, probably the great writer and chronicler and oral historian of cinema mm. uh, in the printed book form. He used to work at EW as well, uh, but that biography on Mike Nichols, fantastic. Man, I should I should do a deep dive on Nichols at mm. some point. Even looking through his filmography now, there's a few that I love, like mm. Carnal Knowledge. I fucking mm. love. I love Primary Colors, which yeah. we've talked about on this show. But then there's others I've never seen, like Regarding Henry. I've recently watched Regarding Girl. Henry. I reckon worst title of films ever had. Pretty bad title, mm. yeah, isn't it? I remember so- in my video store days, I would <clears> see <throat> that on the can- on the shelves and stuff, mm. and I would go, "Let's get regarded in here. Let's get regarded <laughs> in here." <laughs> uh, anyway, shout out to Postcards from the Edge. I mm. really highly recommend that. Beautiful movie. 1991. Where are you at this point? I am being. An incision is being made into my mother's abdomen to remove me from the womb. Wow. A cesarean is what is happening in this realm You're right a now. sea baby. I'm a sea baby. I'm a sea monkey. And a monkey see, a monkey do. <laughs> and a monkey do love movies. <laughs> so, were you born this year? I am born. Wow. Technically, I was born. Technically. But I do not begin to count my age until a few years after this. Why is that? I love to be a teenager forever. Yeah. <laughs> You're technically. How old does that make you? Oh, uh, something, something in the ballpark so if I'm of 34, late twenties. I'm like late twenties. If I'm thirty-four, and this is, hang on, one, two, three mm, years. Two. That makes you thirty-one. Not yet. Yes. Pretty. Yeah, pretty soon. <laughs> yeah, that's happened. I'm thirty-one. You're thirty-one. I'm thirty-one. I'll admit it now. Wow. I got age I'm, reveal. Huge age scoop. reveal. Huge scoop. Mm. Please listen to the other episodes of the podcast now. <laughs> If you're joining us for the first time. So, this is my first one. Shall I begin? Yes, please. Okay. This is the only one where I've had multiple picks because I've yet to whittle it down. Mm-hmm. But I'll say what my multiple picks are. Uh, one of them would have been, speaking of multiple picks, multiple Migs <laughs> from Sons of the Lambs, one yeah. of my favorite movies. That was my pick last time. It was my pick last time too. Hard mm. to go past it, but decided yeah. I got to move past it. Yeah. The other ones I looked at... Madonna, Truth or Dare, the 1991 oh, documentary. I love that doco. Isn't it so I freaking good? I fucking love it. It's a, the maybe the best music tour documentary ever. Phenomenal. So insightful. <clears throat> she is so cool in it. The best is when uh, Kevin Costner comes into like the green room after yeah. goes, and you can see him on camera. He's mm. like, wow, that was really neat. And she yeah. just puts her finger in her mouth and does a vomit gesture at like how late Behind she thinks back. he is. So I funny. love when she tries to fuck uh, Antonio Banderas. She oh, makes with his Pedro wife Moldova. sit away from him. <laughs> it's so cool. It's insane. It's nicely revealing, so artistic, mm. a, a major work. Love that movie. Then I'm torn between these two. One of them is a Jim Jarmusch movie, Night on Earth, mm. because I think it's such a great exploration. It's like five different cab rides at mm. like those early hours of the morning, like that, like, you know, 1 or 2 a.m. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Winona Ryder is a cab driver in one of the mornings. Winona Driver. She is driving. She's not just riding. She's driving. So, it's interesting. I, I just love that. 
like just it's the perfect encapsulation of that feeling of what mm. those wee small hours of the morning feel like not Frank since Sinatra. old blue eyes <laughs> has anyone captured that feeling but the one i'm going to is a movie i just watched for the first time yeah. uh like a couple of weeks ago really which is myra nair's film mississippi masala which is a romantic drama starring denzel washington and sarita chowdhury and it is uh, have you ever heard of this film no so it's an. I've inter- heard both words in the title individually, mm-hmm. and never together. Never together. This is the f- uh, first for me. Wow. Well, let me give you a plot description. Thank you. An Indian family is expelled from Uganda when Idi Amin takes power. They move to Mississippi. <clears throat> Time passes. The Indian daughter falls in love with a black man, and the respective families have to come to terms with it. So it is like a one of those great films that's mm. like a cultural crash. And in an instant, I knew this movie was like permanently entrancing to me because it is so uh, these two lead performances by these two phenomenal actors are such like those perfect romantic leads Mm. this movie is so thoughtfully warm and genuinely sexy as well throughout where it's just like these are the most charming most beautiful people just a movie that has a lot of emotional depth to it mm. in a really like nice and easy kind of romantic genre package. I, th- I this is a huge one recommendation to you. I think you would freaking love this movie. And do they get freaky? You, they get freaky. You see them ugh, simulated wow. style. They make the beast with two backs. Yeah, and this beast has points. I'm going, okay, whose backs who? These are beautiful backs. Mm, love a good back. Mm, we love back pictures. I'm a back fan. Wow, well, welcome back, Connor. <laughs> back to the future. Uh, what's your pick from this year? I want to give a couple of shout-outs just quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, Silence of the Lambs has been mentioned. Mm-hmm. City Slickers. I love City Slickers. Love City yeah. Slickers. Also reminds me of a porno title that I used to see at the video shops called Titty Lickers. <laughs> Interesting. It reminds me of one of them. One good Shitty Slickers. <laughs> That's probably because... I'm basic, yeah. so you've gone beyond. I had to go beyond. Yeah, <laughs> um, Barton Fink, I love a lot. Oh, that was your one on porn. <laughs> Barton Stink. <laughs> JFK, go on for that wise yeah. guy. Yes. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so there was a second shooter. Look at us, a hole. Uh, but I want to give it to one that I discovered through this podcast, mm-hmm. and that is Boys in the Hood. Oh, yes. Well, you'd seen it before. I don't think I had. Oh, my God. No, Lord. I don't think so. I think I, I think I watched it for the first time for this show. Wow. Yeah, that would have been... I love that movie so much. Yeah. Boys yeah. in the Hood rules. Great performances. Mm-hmm. Cool guys. Yeah. Great vibe. Yeah, and it's really... I think it's one of the great teen movies. Like, yeah. Really captures so much emotionality of that time, you know? Yes, totally. Even though I couldn't be further away from the characters mm. in that movie. I yeah. live in a totally different suburb to those different guys. Different time as well. <laughs> yeah. When it came out, you weren't even a teenager. Nope. You were like four. I was, yeah, fucking four years old. Wow. Man, celebrating the fourth anniversary of... Leaving my mother's vagina, <laughs> you, you'll something you'll never understand. <laughs> I could not be further from that experience in my life. You know, well, not that far, just a few <laughs> inches. Listen to me, though, I guess. <laughs> Cameron, let's go to ninety-two. What's yeah. your pick? 
Oh, brother. Okay, last time I picked Wayne's World. Very hard to go past Same. That, that would be my number one pick. We've talked about it a thousand I'm times. I'm going to give... Uh, that will, is technically still mm-hmm. my number one Me pick. Too. Easy. But I'm going to go something that I only just discovered this year and will continue to rewatch because I enjoyed it so much. Mm-hmm. And that movie is Candyman. <gasps> that would have been my pick too. Is that what you were going to pick? I was going to pick it too because it's one of my favorite movies of all time. I mean, you you have quite a bit of experience with the Candyman. You've yeah. seen it multiple times. You've chanted the name in front of the mirror. I have. And I would say Candyman- <gasps> We've said it have, three times now. We've got two left. Okay. It's not Beetlejuice rules. <clears throat> yeah. There's two more. Yeah. You get a few more chances. Yeah. But that film of that title would have been my first horror movie when I was like at, at 12 years old. Mm. That was the movie where people were like- Scariest movie ever made. Yeah. I've heard the scariest movie ever made. People would talk about that and it, mm. the miniseries. The, uh, is it technically a miniseries? Yeah, two, I don't know. It's long. I don't two know. TV movies. I guess it's a miniseries over two nights. Those two were the two that people talked mm. about. And the, the images from it, without even seeing it, yeah. have been seared in my brain ever since. Yeah. Particularly, kids at my school would say, oh, in Candyman, there's a really fucked Shit, up part where they- um, Oh shit, we got one left. <laughs> where they um where a boy gets attacked in the toilets. Yeah. And I don't need to say what happens. He does. Yeah, but in a particularly foul way. Yeah. And that's he his head flushed down the toilet. <laughs> he shits himself to death. <laughs> and you go, holy shit, I can relate. I remember when we even when I was that kid, we got mm. the we got the tape, we're like, okay, we're gonna see that movie. I won't say what it is, we're gonna get it. Yeah. The Scottish play we called it. Yeah, yeah. And we opened up the case, getting ready, freak out put the tape in, and they had done the mix-up at the video store. It was Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. Oh, no. So, we just watched a bit of that, and then we're like, okay, we've got Critters on VHS. Let's watch that instead. Yeah, a bit more fun. Mm, but I love it. Best horror movie score in history. It's Philip a great score. score. Fucking great score. I love mm-hmm. I love every- Tony Todd. Oh, Love Tony Todd's performance. performance. So great. Mm. Did you see the reboot? Yeah, it was on my first movies out of that whatever lockdown yeah. that was. I went with my horror movie friends. We all went. I adored it. I, I really liked fantastic. it. I thought it was really cool. Yeah. Made me want to go to Cabrini Green. Yeah. Looks well, nice now. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a great pick, Cam. Yeah. And I just, I I love social commentary horror films. Sure. And I think Candyman top tier, number yeah, one. Yeah, it's sick. Love I'll it. watch it forever now. I love mm. it so much. Did you have another pick or are you going to go with Candyman? 92, I made a new pick. Okay. Bram Stoker's <clears throat> Dracula by Francis Ford Coppola. Whoa. Yes. Wow, Gary Oldman. Yeah. He's popping up and in there. And he's a really old man he's in this. He's playing one of the oldest men in this movie. Yeah. I, I am Winona a, Driver's in this. Well, she's a rider. This time she's riding on horses. Horse and carriage. Yeah. She's in a lot of buggies <laughs> in this movie. And um, I love Francis Ford Coppola. Do I think you? I really, really You have the same do. glasses as him. That's and awesome. Beard, and, and beard and you're wearing a plaid shirt. I'm wearing a plaid shirt. Shit, I just realized what I became. No. You're doing co- no. Coppola cosplay. No. Oh, my God. Okay, I am Francis Ford Coppola. I'm wearing shorts. I'm wearing one of those cargo jackets that he always wears. Um, I, I, lo- I really mm. idolize him. Mm. And I idolize him a lot as a teenager. And I've come back to him over the last few years. Mm-hmm. And I want to go deeper than beyond the ones that we always talk about with him. Yeah. And I think... For me, I had to put him on here with this movie because, you know, when people always talk about Coppola and it breaks my fucking heart, it drives me crazy. We go like, oh, yeah, he made four great movies in the 70s. He never did anything since. And if you just took his 80s career, 
it's better than most directors ever. And then in the 90s with Bram Stoker's Dracula, I think that he every image in this film is like an absolute phantasmagoria of like cinematic invention that harkens back to the dawn of cinema. Like the magic that he does and conjures up in this movie is one of like the greatest feasts your eyes can have. I think it is superb and sublime. The only thing that I would negate it is... Uh, Keanu Reeves just wrong, wrong mm. part, wrong. Great tr- actor, great, great actor. star, mm-hmm. not the right cast. Just he's the, the only thing that kind of like does not add and build to that mm. magic that this movie does. But Could I, Carrie Elwes, fine, he would have been mm. great because he's got mm. that like you know old movie star charm. Mm. You know he could have crushed that, but yeah. I think that that's like the only really thing that. But everything about that is just such. It's such a bizarre masterpiece. Yeah. This movie, it's stunning. Let me ask you this. If it's instead of Keanu Reeves, if it's River Phoenix cast? Maybe. Or- um, Chris Farley? The guy, the <laughs> other guy from Bill and Ted. Oh, uh, maybe Alex Winter. Alex Winter? Actually, I don't know. I'd like I to see I quite like that. Alex I like Winter. That. Yeah, okay. I kind of like that. <laughs> what about Paulie Shaw? Paulie Shaw, I guess. Maybe Matthew Perry could pull this off. I'm trying to think of who were the guys of that Broderick? gag. Mm, I actually kind of like Broderick in that movie Lady Hawk, where he's mm, kind of doing a Shakespearean mm, thing. Mm. Maybe, maybe would have been an interesting one for Broderick, mm. but I don't know. I, Keanu has the right look though, because he's an interesting looking guy. He looks guy. great. Yeah, no complaints about his looks. Mm, great movie, great movie. Bram yeah, Stoker's Dracula. I, I haven't watched it in a long time, it's, but I did really like it when I yeah. last watched it. As for like the rest of Coppola's '90s career, I don't. I only know Jack. And he did Rainmaker, and I've never seen that. I've never that. seen Rainmaker. Yeah. Is that a legal drama or something? Yeah, it's a legal drama. I think it's a Grisham adaptation. Yeah. And then he does some weird stuff in the 2000s as well, like Tetro, I think, is really good. Yeah, I've never seen that. But um, he's someone that I think never stopped experimenting and challenging himself. And mm. I think, to me, this is the only one that I can really put on this list by him, and it's like an, it's up there with his greatest works because he completely challenges himself to practically achieve something that feels re-watch impractical. It. Yeah, I'm gonna rewatch it. That I remember, new 4K. Is I remember thinking it was fucking cool last time I mm. watched it, and I wanted those little Drac specs that he yeah. wears. God, if that would be a great look if he started wearing that big top hat <laughs> and those little spectacles that he wears, that like kind of like page, the sagey kind yeah. of suit that he wears. Very yeah. cool. It'd be a really cool mm, look for me. You got to get a cane, brother. Yeah, Walk around that I'm cane. Gonna, 93, watch your pick. 1993. Good Lord, this one was hard because mm-hmm. um, my last pick was Dazed and Confused, yes. which is still up there for me, me as too. one of the greats. We've done a whole episode yeah. on it. Check it back. Wayne's World 2 is also coming out in that year. Possibly directed by Federico Fellini at one point. <laughs> yep, almost. <laughs> Uh, I had to go with Groundhog Day. Great. I love Groundhog mm-hmm. Day. I think it's w- one of my most rewatched comedies. Mm-hmm. I get a lot of comfort and joy from it. I also find it incredibly beautiful in what is essentially a gimmicky comedy. Mm. Um, but I just I I find a lot of beauty and it, it yes. does the Scrooge story, but in a better way. And it's Total more perfection. unique and it's. Everything I want from a comedy, and mm. I think um, a lot of things have tried to replicate it. Not just the time loop thing, but the tone. Mm. A lot of things have tried to copy that tone, never quite landed on it. 
Um, to me, it's it's up there for a perfect comedy. And I know it's hacked to like Bill Murray. And I also know that Bill Murray's been in the news lately for being a cunt. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I'm not apologizing for that, but I am saying that uh, yeah. this movie is really great. Yeah. It's a great movie. Mm. I love it. I, to me, that's one that's due for a rewatch soon. And also another film that at one point in time was my favorite movie. It was. Yeah, because it would have been- There was a lot of movies. And I think all the ones I've said that for so far were movies that played on TV a lot when I was a kid. Yeah, and yeah. And they would have been my first kind of forays into stuff that was not made for kids. Mm. And probably were the ones- that and Parenthood have a kind of like tonal perfection for me. They're like adult comedies. Yeah, adult comedies mixed with like kind of either, you know, Parenthood's case, genuine dramatic feeling yeah. or Groundhog Day's like this really magic perfect magic realism. Frank, Ca- Frank yeah. Capra sort Capra-esque of Capra-esque stuff. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. I love it. I've seen it a lot of times. I'll watch it a lot more. But uh, I've also talked about it a lot. So, Mm, let's move on to you. Uh, 93 for me. I picked an Australian film. This was one of my big discoveries ever because it's something that I'd read about for a long time. Had been impossible to see for so long. Mm. All that existed was a kind of crap DVD that was really hard to get access to. I saw that DVD, but then I've been fortunate enough to see it on film in the cinema twice since then. Uh, It's a movie by Australian photographer and photo essayist Tracy Moffat, who is indigenous filmmaker and absolute all-star talent. The movie is called Bedevil. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you've talked about this. Mm. Yeah. Currently, this is a movie you can actually now watch if you're in Australia on SBS On Demand. Oh, it's on SBS? Great. After literally it, for my whole life has been impossible to see until like very, very recently. This is three stories of the supernatural. They're all like encounters of spectral beings, ghosts, mm. if you will, if you want to use the everyday parlance of what they are. I prefer ghouls. Well, they are kind of ghouls. They're ghosts. They're spirits from a different realm. Mm. And each one is like a different style of ghost story, all kind of theatrical, all exploring like a sense of place in Australia without being really specific. Mm. And uh, I I think there's like this kind of stagey theatrical quality to these films, especially when we kind of head back in time to like ghosty, when Mm. either the ghosts were around or encounters with the ghost. They're really different, really funny and really kind of spooky interesting stories and there's like documentary aspects to some of them that mm. like kind of make them feel contemporary there's not a really another movie like this like it is really really cool film um this has been on my list for a while i mm. think you mentioned it to me god i don't even know like it would have been a couple of years ago yeah. now 2019 would have been when i finally saw it yeah. at sydney film festival and then they played it again Maybe the year after that, yeah, uh, sure. At like a, the art gallery. I remember or something. you mentioning it back then. It still hasn't. I still haven't gotten around to it. But just this week, while we've been researching our new finding thing, mm. um, it's popped up again on a few lists of Australian mm. films that I've been kind of perusing. Yeah, and I, I've been reminded to yeah. watch it again. So this is now the third time. I don't know how many times the cock crowed in the Bible to mm-hmm. get that fucking cunt to <laughs> realize whatever he had to learn. Yeah. But I feel like this is the third time. Yeah. That means I've got to watch it. you got to watch it. It's on SBS On Demand. Honestly, mm. I never know when it's going to disappear. So, whenever it's on there, I always just watch it again. Yeah. And if you like this further reading, I would give you this uh, 1970s uh, Japanese horror movie called Kwaidan, mm-hmm. which I think this borrows oh, from, yeah, sure. which is like another magic realist thing. That, um, 
God, something else ripped it off, right? What was the? Oh, yeah, we, we have talked about, about it recently, recently with like the ghost thing and mm. the. It's another ghost anthology. Drawings film. on the face. Oh, what was yes. that? Yes. Oh my God. They're being tied down and attacked by ghosts. And it's the it were like it's the exact same image. Yeah. What that was film that? Quite on. Fuck. Fucking hell. People that know. We so talked about on the episode recently. Yeah, like recently. Oh my God. Shit. Conan the Barbarian. Oh, it was Conan the Barbarian. Conan the Barbarian. Yeah, where the kind of surrealism takes its form from quite Yes, that's right. Mm. Yep, 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 yep. I'm looking at the images now. They're like basically the same. Mm. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, sick. Great. Well, that's, that's a couple of good records right there. Mm. Very cool. Let's move on to 1994. Cameron, what is your pick from 94? 1994 is a huge year. In comedy, <gasps> Jim Carrey yeah, comedies okay. are popping in 1994. Yep, yep, the yep. Mask, Dumb and Dumber, Ace Ventura, mm-hmm. all are happening within a 12-month period. Wow. We've also got The Lion King, which is oh, arguably yes. the greatest Disney Renaissance mm-hmm. movie. I remember we talked about that on an episode of this podcast, just fawning over it, saying yeah. it's like the best cinematic creation. It's and it might still amazing. be. I love that movie. Also, for independent comedies, Clerks came out in 1994. So this wow. is huge. Huge year. Mm-hmm. A lot of competition. I landed on an Australian film. Wow, okay. One that I love very much, one that I've seen a lot through my mm-hmm. life, but I went through about a 10-year period of not watching it. Oh, until I recently, recently rewatched it too. Do you I know think what I'm going to say? I'm going to say Muriel's Wedding. Wow, okay. Which is just the fucking yeah. best. PJ Hogan. PJ Hogan, great flick. I honestly I watched it again this year for the first time in nearly a decade. And was gobsmacked by how tonally mature it is. Mm-hmm. How it goes from cringe comedy to tragedy to coming of age yep. story to like satire, social satire. I loved it so much. Mm. And then I revisited PJ Hogan's um, My Best Friend's Wedding. Let's just say this won't be the only time PJ Hogan comes up in this list. <laughs> Very excited. Yeah. I reckon PJ Hogan rocks. Mm-hmm. Muriel's Wedding is amazing. Obviously, the Tony Collette performance is the thing you'll take away from mm. it. But I feel like the world building is a, is just sensational. Yeah. The town of Pauper Spit. Such a great identity. It has it has such an identity that mm. when I watched it, I thought, I wish there was more of it. I wish there was a mm. TV show. Like, yeah. I could live... I could spend more time in 1980s Pauper Spit. Yeah. I want to live there. Yeah. Fucking beautiful movie. I, tr- I truly fucking rate it. I agree with you. Fantastic movie. Beautiful performance. There was a comedian in our scene years ago that had a joke about it called Matt Lane. I was mm. obsessed with this joke. I I would steal it. I would kill him to steal this joke, basically, where he said, yeah, Australia would make great comedies. You know, Muriel's Wedding, a movie where a woman is uh, ghastly her whole life. Her mother kills herself after her dad's affair. And yeah, one of the funniest comedies ever made in this country. I was like, that's <laughs> such a good bit. Yeah, it fucking rules. I, if anyone from Australia has not seen her, I think it's really worth watching mm-hmm. because younger it, people it watch still this says a lot about australia mm. today and the types of people that you know and your mm. family and all that but if you are from overseas and you don't know this movie 
I think it's it's probably the best Australian comedy that I can think of. But yeah. it's more than a comedy. It's a it's drama. Life. It's life. Yeah. John Early, the comedian, is a huge fan of it mm. and always raves about Muriel's Wedding. Yeah. I love John Early. If you love John Early, you will love this movie. Yeah. Great freaking movie. Beautiful pick, Cameron. That was close for me as well, as was Clerks as mm. well. But I ended up going with a new discovery for me too. Mm. This is probably... This is the... Out, most out there pick for me maybe on this list it's a movie from 1994 by Zhang Yimou uh, called To Live and it is an epic a huge film and it's one of those great epics that captures the human story within like the turn of history hmm. so it's like set during like the communist revolution in China and stuff and uh, at the time and it's this personal story of our family that starts off in uh, closer to the aristocracy and when the cultural revolution happens they everyone becomes like you know peasantry and hmm. stuff so it's like this huge story this huge part of history and like the small struggles and life struggles of this family over like a lifetime in history mm. it starts when they're young goes to when they're grandparents basically and one of the leads of the film is Gong Li who was at the time the partner of Zhang Yimou the director Zhang Yimou has gone on to make like hero big movies like House mm-hmm. of Flying Daggers and stuff mm-hmm. but this was one that I discovered in this box set of Zhang Yimou and Gong Li collaborations that imprint films put out this year or last year now I think one of the best things I've ever owned and I'd never really gone much deeper than Hero on this filmmaker and now I've like watched like seven or eight other movies including like Raise the Red Lantern but this one was the one that just like Hmm. I think is truly spectacular like one of the best things I've seen in my entire life and it is really blew me away that's a huge call really it blew me away because it's just like an epic but it's all about that human story and you don't see that successfully done almost ever and it's one of the best versions of that kind of story like the story of a nation and the Mm. story of its people and then those in juxtaposition of each other fantastic movie so it was between that or clerks yes the two scales (laughs) the two scales basically one is an epic and one is this wonderful picture black and white clerks and the epic story in this juxtapose is the struggle of that filmmaker trying to get that freaking snoochie boochie flicko made 1995 I found this one to be quite difficult. Me too, and I've gone really outside the box, actually, now that I've said that. I want to hear yours first. 1995, I picked something, and I I hate to say this, it's not a movie. What? I picked a TV miniseries. That's highly unorthodox. Highly unorthodox, but it I'll is it. also something that I really wanted to talk about because it is I have maybe a feeling I know what my favorite thing ever. Do you know what it is? I think so, but I want to hear you say it. It's... Blue Murder. Yeah, I knew it was going to be Blue Murder. Blue Murder. <laughs> uh, honestly, it's an Australian television miniseries, two-part crime story about a true crime, about Australia's most corrupt cop mm-hmm. in Australian history, the Roger Rogerson. The dude in Australia, <laughs> Roger Rogerson. Who went on to become a stand-up comedian for a little bit yeah. in our lifetime. But he's played incredibly by uh, Richard Roxburgh. This was one that I come Rocks. back to quite often. It's often on Netflix now, mm. like in a really nice quality, probably still not high definition, but it looks fantastic. But the legendary screenwriter Robert Town called Blue Murder the best thing I've ever seen about anything from anywhere. And I find it incredibly hard to disagree with that. Mm. Uh, and I think that 
this is something that I've become obsessed with. We talked about it on the Australian Psycho miniseries, but Australia has like this fascination with these really dangerous men. And I think that this is one of the best explorations of that because mm. this was headline, headline, headline news at the time. Yeah. This story about this corrupt cop. And at this point in time, you've got truly like the legends of like the sweaty masculinity of Australian cinema all in this, not just Roger Rogerson played by Richard Roxburgh, one of our greats, Gary Sweet, Bill Hunter, mm. Alex Dimitriades, all mm. these different generations of the definitions of what masculinity was mm. at each point in history all coming together. And Tony Martin, not the Tony Martin from Australian comedy, the yeah. other Australian Tony Martin uh, as uh, Nettie Smith, amazing dark performance by him. Mm. But I think Richard Roxburgh, I put him on par with something like Malcolm X where Denzel becomes Mm. completely possessed by that man. Mm. Roger Rogerson is indistinguishable from the actor that plays him, Richard Roxburgh. Mm. And when he was making this movie, they filmed it in real locations. He would be on the street that Roger Rogerson used to live on and people would think that it was him. Like, mm. they just go around and go, oh, Roger's out of jail. Hey, okay, Rog. And they're like, oh, why are they filming stuff around him? Is he an actor <laughs> now? So, it's. I think it is great. It's awesome to see it, this, like, 80s street version of Sydney. Yeah. A fantastic movie. I'm a sucker for Roxborough. Man, he's a legend. He's fucking great. And uh, obviously, he's done a lot of great work mm. and will continue to do great work. But there's always a part of me that ho- holds hope and holds a wish and a prayer that he gets the Ben Mendelsohn treatment. Mm. He could, I think. And he gets to become one of those guys mm. that's in big fucking American movies. Because he's as good and yeah. he's got a fucking great look mm-hmm. and he's just a really talented actor. Superb talent. He's in The Crown playing Bob Hawke, right? Mm, yeah, great yeah. in that. Great, great in, in that. that. I think he's fantastic. Yeah, we love him. We love The Rocks. He he's, rocks our cocks off. He is in Van Helsing as Dracula. He's in Mission Impossible 2. As Dracula. Yep. <laughs> 1995 was a difficult one for me. Um, there's a couple of movies from my childhood that I still rewatch. Jumanji, for example. Love Jumanji. Die First Hard episode 3. of Total Reboot, basically. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, we did Welcome to the Jungle, yeah. Yeah, of course. Mm. And, we'll, and we never left in many ways. <laughs> yeah, we're still there with Dwayne. Die Hard 3 is another one from my childhood mm-hmm. that I've watched a lot. A recent discovery uh, from the last few years is Heat. Love it. Which I had obviously avoided mm-hmm. for most of my life until this podcast and have since watched it multiple times. Mm-hmm. But I decided to go with a comedy because I'm I'm focusing on things that bring me mm. joy, things that bring me comfort, things that I will rewatch a lot through the rest of my life. Mm. And I decided to go with a Brady Bunch movie. <gasps> Love it. We've talked about it on this podcast, yeah. but I think it is, it's up there with my favorite comedies of all time. It is so funny and yes. so charming. Spectacularly directed. Yes. So stylish. Yeah, looks fucking amazing, mm-hmm. doesn't it? One of the best meta comedies ever. Yeah, and it's last time we watched it and talked about it, we were both stunned by how little winking there is. Mm. There's like one or two explicit gags that spell out that these are this is a family from the 60s that are now living in the 90s. Mm. But for the most part, it's just played pretty straight. Like, the Bradys are in a, a dramatic movie mm. and everyone around them is in a fish-out-of-water comedy. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. very strange. It's a, I, this is such a great pick, Cam. Oh, I, I just love, love it. And it's got my... 
arguably my favorite Michael McKean performance, mm. and that's coming from a Michael McKean diehard. I'm a I'm a big McKean guy. By the way, Michael McKean diehard. That's a pitch that I'm working on. Yeah, <laughs> it's awesome idea. It's diehard set in his head. <laughs> <laughs> set in the cranium. Yeah. John McClane enters through a small incision <laughs> into Michael McKean's into head. Into Michael McKean's head. Uh, so yeah, I'd love I love that movie. I've watched it a lot. I'll mm. continue to watch it. I think it's a joyful, joyful oh, flick. Fantastic pick. We're moving on to 1996. Uh-huh. My, this is probably my pick instead of Clerks. I went with this one instead of Clerks from the year before mm-hmm. because it's so similar and they speak to me in the same in much different ways. Uh, it's a movie called The Watermelon Woman, which I've talked about before oh, yeah. as yeah, a movie yeah. that I just adore and I want to just. I, like it just is remarkable filmmaking it's from this filmmaker called Cheryl Dunye. Um, she's a black queer woman uh, who makes movies about her experience. And because that history doesn't exist in cinema, she had to kind of make a fictionalized documentary about um, uh, uh, from someone from the silent film era that she believed was a black queer woman and makes like this movie about someone who's a filmmaker, videographer, uh, working in a video store in the 90s who makes a documentary about the watermelon woman, this woman mm. from the silent era. And it is unique. It like basically invents like mumblecore cinema, hmm. and it is like you know a decade before you know that really takes off, and it is so interesting at the way that it kind of like creates this this style of filmmaking called documentary filmmaking because mm. no one else really does it. Like I think it's just spectacular. It's easy to watch now. It was hard to watch for ages, but you can probably buy it on like iTunes and stuff now. I think it's okay. just a superb film. So it's a. It's a fictionalized documentary. Well, parts of it is about the making of a fictionalized documentary, basically. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. So, it's like it's her real life of like, you know, dating Mm. in Philadelphia, working at this video store, her like queer friendship group, her family life and all that stuff. And her, while making, while living that life, she's making this documentary about this uh, silent movie star that there's no identity of mm. and then that is you know fictional that's not a real person but in the movie it's a real person she's making something of yeah far just out. it is really uh, absolutely one of the coolest movies I've ever seen and it's one that every now and then there'll be a repertory screening of in Sydney mm. that you can go catch it on a bigger screen but it just a very very cool movie Cheryl Dunya she's been doing some more TV stuff recently she's been making more filming more stuff Fantastic filmmaker. I hope we get to see more of her films, like make mm. more movies as well. When I hear you say stuff like this, mm-hmm. and then I glance over what my list is for 1996, I feel like the world's biggest dunce. No, there's no way. You know, this is all about sharing, sharing with I our hear, listeners. You know, Cheryl Dunya, I'm hearing it's exciting yeah. new wave. Documentaries. Yeah, no wave. It's post no wave. No I'd wave. Say. And then I look over at my list for 1996. And I've written down one, two, three, four, five, six picks. Mm-hmm. First one is Twister. Great movie. I'm not picking that as my number wow, one, but great it's a movie shout though. out. I love Twister. I love Twister. I do when believe. When that hubcap slices that scalp, yeah, yeah, scariest yeah. thing I've ever seen. I think best uh, disaster movie ever mm-hmm. made. I think so. Hands down. And it's a, it's a Michael Crichton joint. Yeah, it's a Jan de Bont. Jan de Bont joint. We love Jan. Um, Fargo was my last pick last oh, I time. I can't talk about it again, but it's mm-hmm. getting a shout out. 
as is Happy Gilmore, mm-hmm. as is Scream. Yeah, Happy Gilmore was probably my other pick after Phil Dunya's <laughs> film, The Watermelon Woman. I love Happy Gilmore so much. Happy Gilmore rocks, Scream rocks, mm-hmm. Train Spotting rocks, but oh, I've decided yeah. to go with an action movie. I believe it's my first action movie pick so far. Um, and I, I, I've watched this a lot mm-hmm. as a child. I've watched it since we started podcasting. The way I view it has changed mm-hmm. as a result of getting to know this filmmaker. Mm-hmm. I believe he's a true auteur, <gasps> and I believe that this movie is is interesting because it's watching an auteur work within some someone else's boundaries and oh work God. within a genre that he doesn't necessarily work with. I have within. no idea what this is. You'll know it. It's Mission Impossible. <gasps> Fuck, great pick. Brian De Palma. BDP. One of the great... One of the great filmmakers, one mm. of the great like auteurist cinema yeah. makers. One of my heroes, truly. Working alongside another auteur, a producing mm. auteur, Tom Cruise. Yes. Producer, movie star auteur. Mm-hmm. Remaking a shitty, forgotten 1960s spy TV show. A show that exists a theme song, <laughs> full stop. Yeah. Yeah. And so, maybe people know Martin Landau was on it a few like times. Or on something. paper, all mm. those elements together shouldn't work. Mm-hmm. What comes out is not only an era-defining action movie, mm. but I believe one of the most beautiful-looking espionage filmmaking. films ever. Mm. Spectacular and filmmaking. obviously, Tom Cruise has gone on to top the stunts with each mm-hmm. and every film. I love them all. But to me, nothing has ever been as cool or as good or as tense as Tom Cruise dangling from a fucking vent. Yeah. I love this pick. Great freaking movie. It's a great movie. I love it. And as much as I love like Fallout and like all the newer ones, Ghost Protocol. They're all great. They're all great. I cannot wait for that new one. The Mm -hmm. trailers are fantastic. Even though it has the worst title of them all. I couldn't even tell you what it was. It's Mission, Colon, Impossible, Dash, Dead Reckoning. Part one. Oh, I forgot the part one. I was like, Dead Reckoning, that's okay. The part one, damn it, why they do that? Um, I love it. I think that it's hard to even top that film in it the, in the really franchise hard. that each one tops the last. I, I do think it's a masterpiece. Mm, yeah. Um, and it feels classy and it kind of feels crazy to watch mm. it in the context of all the other movies because they're, they're all so different. But yeah. In particular, one and two. That the jump from one to two is crazy. Yeah, crazy. Well, that's got Richard Roxburgh. <laughs> yes, it does. The rocks. That's how you upgrade it. You get the rocks you in it. You get the rocks you in. You gotta the get your rocks, rocks, rocks your off. <laughs> 1997, the return of PJ Hogan. My pick mm. is my best friend's wedding. Great pick. I adore this movie. Great flick. Great pick. I just I romantic comedy is a genre you and I talk about a lot. Mm-hmm. Not always on this podcast, but we really privately privately we have our own separate podcast that we <laughs> only record for each other. Um, but I think that this is top tier romantic comedy stuff. It's just the best. Did you, you read that great um, PJ Hogan uh, interview from this year or something? Oh, no, I didn't read it. It was uh, reflecting on this movie mm. and he really shed light on the fact that Jules, the great, wonderful mm-hmm. Julie Roberts, was eager to shed her reputation of being like the good girl of yeah. rom-coms and she really pushed Fuck for her character out. to be as unlikable yeah. as possible PJ Hogan had to be the one reining her in, saying, mm. 
I'm sorry to say, Jules, but we're going to need to see that smile a yeah. couple of times in this movie because you're coming across like a real asshole wow. and we want people to stick with you. That balance that he achieves through doing that then mm. is like the secret source of this movie. Totally. Because she is the villain of someone else's yeah. life and love story. Great, great twist on the genre. And then her being so naturalistically affable and charming mm. and from her point of view mm-hmm. doing crazy stuff but because she's so naturalistic and like in creating what the rom-com vibe is mm-hmm. it works so well where maybe the first time you watch it you're like what a weird little movie but then yeah. you realize like oh what it's doing is unheard of yeah he also describes it as a, a covert musical. Yeah, because a few great musical moments. Yeah. It begins with like that great musical number that's mm-hmm. like for the opening credits, but then also the uh, the reprises of um, say the a little prayer Franklin. comes yeah, out uh, a couple of times. There's a few moments where the kids at the wedding are singing mm. in like chipmunk helium yeah. voice. Yeah, um, it's a great movie. Really great pick. Diaz, Roberts, oh, yeah. and Rupert Everett. Come on. I think that's three of the best rom-com performances in their Truly. fields of those ever. And the older I get, the more I like um, Dermot, whatever his name is, Mulroney. Me too. And I I'm, think it's a really solid performance. That, the last time I reviewed this, this is why I wrote about it. My main criticism is that Dermot Mulroney is just fine to good in this. He's hot as fuck, but he's lacking that bit of spark that really sells he was ever Roberts' best friend. Is he worth fighting over? I buy that Roberts and Diaz want to fuck this dude, but yeah. do they want to love him forever? Each time I come back to it, I change that a little bit more. Go like, yeah, I get it. Well, I really get what? what he's doing. I think, and I watched this very recently, and mm. my takeaway is she's not his best friend. Mm. She just wants to fuck him. Yeah. And he's some guy that she f- used to fuck yeah. and has kind of kept in her life because she's always thought, maybe I'll get to fuck him yeah. again. They're not best friends. Yeah. I can't picture them being friends after this movie. Mm-hmm. Her best friend is Rupert Everett. Exactly. It takes her the whole movie to realize that her best friend's soulmate is the other guy. Yeah. Matt O'Kine. A- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a fucking great movie. I, I love every performance yeah. in it. And Julie Roberts doing the villain thing awoke something in me. I just, mm. It made me realize that- you like bad girls. If you were, well, <laughs> that. But if you are a star mm. and your charm is an effortless natural likability, mm-hmm. um, which I think is something that a lot of comedians have, like, mm-hmm. you know, like- you know, guys like us, for example, we're comedians. We we're quite affable. Likeable, affable. Likeable. I think if that's what you have, then it is your duty every now and then mm. to push the boundaries of your likability mm. and to do things that are a little bit more, not sinister, but like dark, mm. to go into dark territories. Mm. It's always With your work. so much more interesting to watch someone you love do things you don't mm. approve of. I think she has it. Paul Newman has it. There's oh, a few yeah. other people that can do it. Yeah. And it's always, it's a joy to watch. I yeah. wish there was more of these Ro- uh, Julie Roberts performances out there. Mm, it made me want to rewatch Aaron Brockovich. I watched it just after I watched mm. um, My Best Friend's Wedding and it's fucking great. Yeah. She's great in it. Fantastic. Cameron, what's your pick from 97? 1997, I picked the Newcastle Knights uh, <laughs> grand final victory. Well, okay. If I put Blue Murder in, we've got to accept this as well. <laughs> no, this is a tough year. In the past, uh, I picked Austin Powers. I yeah, think you did too. How could too. you not? It's the best. There's some other ones I love. I I'll love even Connor. say My Best Friend's Wedding is like a rung under it for yeah, me. Yeah, for know? sure. 
I love Con Air. I love Boogie Nights. I love Liar Liar. But mm. I've gone with a movie that has become one of my favorite genre picks, one of my favorite soundtracks. I own the soundtrack on vinyl. I play it all the time. Oh, wow. Okay. It is Jackie Brown. Oh, yeah. That was a hard one for me not to pick as well. Mm. but Because I, I love that movie so much. Number love one, it. Tarantino for me. Number one. It's easy. I reckon my number one Tarantino mm. as well. Yeah, it's a fantastic movie. I love Robert Foster. Oh, you know, I love Pam Greer. Yes. There's a mom- two moments in this movie that are both tied to the soundtrack that yes. give me chills. One is when uh, Jackie Brown has played the Delphonic song from mm. Max Cherry and then he... Didn't I blow your mind? Yeah, didn't I blow your mind this time? Then he goes to a record store and seeks it out and buys it and listens to it privately because it reminds him of her. In his car, right? In his car, buys beautiful moment. And then at the very end of the movie, when Jackie Brown is leaving Max Cherry and across 110th Street plays, mm. and it's diegetic music, it's happening for us, the audience, but it's also happening on her stereo, and mm. she starts mouthing along to it while she's crying... I like think that's pure cinema. Yeah. I think it's amazing. It's mm-hmm. indulging all the senses. We get a beautiful close up on her face. Yeah. She's beautiful. She's crying. She's just kissed a guy that she'll never see again. Yeah. This fucking sick funk song is playing. I can't get enough of it. Yeah. I kind of wish the whole song played and it was just her mouthing along to it every now and then mm. and crying. I think that if he ever revisited it, he w- it would be the whole song. And I'd yeah. lap it up. Mm. I'd fucking lap it up. Great pick. One of my Great favorite pick. movies. And I think if you go, oh, what? Jackie Brown's their favorite uh, Quentin Tarantino movie. You watch it again. Watch it again. And grow up a little bit, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> it's so great. Yeah. And uh, also, if you're a reader, I recommend reading Rum Punch by Elmore yeah. Leonard, which is the book it was based on. And the book is, I swear to God, just as funny, just as mm. cool, just as tense. This, it rocks. Have you ever watched the prequel? Never, but with, I've read the prequel. Yeah, with the John prequel's Hawks. called the the switch up the, mm-hmm. but the that's the book, but the movie's called Life of Crime or some shit. Like Something that. It's got like a boring that. title. Boring title. Never watched it. Is it Jennifer Aniston's in it? Ah, uh, yeah. Because there's a movie with her calling the switch, and maybe that's like- yeah that. Yeah, there is a movie called The Switch. <laughs> Maybe with they're like, we'll get her and Bateman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Bateman, what's he doing? That he's Bateman. Man. He's Bateman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I've never seen that Life of Crime. I don't. Mm. I don't it's uh, Yassine Bay's in it. And, yeah, um, and John Hawkes. John Hawkes. As the younger versions of Robert De Niro and yeah. Samuel Jackson. I don't know if I'll ever watch it, but yeah. I, I love the book. The yeah. book's got one of the best premises of a like crime movie I've ever seen. Yeah. These it's two- diehard set in Michael McKean's <laughs> head. <laughs> the premise is these two dudes, which are those two dudes, mm. kidnap the wife of a rich guy to hold her ransom. But it just so happens that the rich guy was going to get her capped anyway, so he doesn't want her back. Mm. So now they're just stuck with a hostage and nothing to do with her. Wow. And they're just like, now what? What do we do with this woman that we've just kidnapped? Yeah. It's a very cool premise. Freaking great premise. We're moving on to 1998. Mm. Did you want to do your pick first? Sure. A um, lot of good picks. This is going to be the hardest one for me mm. um, because- I've got two of my favorite movies coming out in this year, and it mm. really is a battle of which one do I like yep. more. It's a split decision, really. Like Of Rush Hour and <laughs> Rush, You've I, Got Mail. Believe it or not, I did write Rush Hour yeah. down in my notable mentions. <laughs> <laughs> I also put down The Mask of Zorro as a mm, notable mention movie. and Dark City. But 
for me, it's between the Truman Show and the Wedding Singer. Yeah, two fantastic picks. They I, will, I they don't, will. I don't know if I can decide. Yeah, man, I don't know if I can do mm. it. I can put them in together, and they're both total reboot picks. There's four yeah. episodes on them. Yeah, yeah. So. I don't need to talk about them anymore. Mm. Just know that they're two of my favorites. And Wedding Singer is one that I always mention whenever mm. anyone asks what my top five movies yeah. is. I always say Wedding Singer in the somewhere in there. Yeah, great. I love those two movies so much. What have you got? I've got one. This was one I had to go back for. It's like what means a lot to me. Mm. And this was one that means a real lo- a lot, a lot to me. Um, it's a movie from Australia, 1998. Anna Kokinos' adaptation of Christos Solkis' novel, uh, Loaded, called Head On with Alex Dimitriades yeah. in it. And this is one that I studied as my choice for HSC, like when I could pick my own text for it mm-hmm. uh, in high school. And I think my journey with this film has changed a lot because when I saw it as a kid, like I related to it a lot because I was a young Greek guy at the same time. Mm-hmm. Oh, not the same time this movie came out. I'm fucking a lot younger than this movie mm. or the time setting of this movie. Age reveal. Not age You're reveal. 10 years older. <laughs> 10 years older. Now I am. <laughs> but I think, you know, as my life has changed, as I've grown up, my identity, getting in touch with their queer self mm-hmm. as I get older. And this movie is about a young Greek guy battling with that. And I see a lot of like, a real dramatization of like what my feelings have been and like the battle between like Mm. one's identity of self and one's identity of their sexuality and with heritage and like Greek heritage and stuff just see a lot of that shit in there like is um I mean is that uh is there religious element to it a little bit there's some religious element but it's also like the difference between generational of like Uh an older like the Greek generation of the parents that were the migrants and the first generation where he's born in Australia like all that difference is so captured in this movie in a way that it's like very like I think it's a cool edgy movie and still Mm. it feels cool and edgy it has not had like a restoration so even though it's like nicely scanned now if you watch it online or watch Mm. it on a blu-ray or whatever but it's got this real edge to it because the print feels a bit dirty and mucked Mm. up so it looks so cool and Paul Capsis who's like maybe my favorite Australian theater actor he is just phenomenal as this Alex Dimitriotis cousin in this movie Mm. and so I think this is this is one that's very personal to me yeah it's a very cool movie and uh, I didn't realize that's what it was about. Mm. I didn't really know what it was about yeah. at all. It's really cool because it's about someone I think I always thought like- it was Breaking Away. I, th- I, th- I had the plot wow. of Breaking Away. Yeah, it's a guy riding a bicycle. Yeah, it's a guy riding a bicycle. Another great coming of age movie, Breaking yeah, Away. Yeah, a great movie. Yeah, but head on. It's a movie that's grown more personal for me every time I revisit it. I really yeah. love that movie, you know? And do the Greeks know about what used to go on back in the old days? <laughs> They got to do a little bit more research, like, I think. If they got some issues yeah. with it, I mean, they got they know what happened back then, yeah, right? They some of them ignore it, you know. <laughs> but I love this movie so much. Love it, love it, love it. So that's your pick? Yeah, 98, that's 98, my pick. 98, great year. 1999. God, we've talked about this year a lot recently. Mm-hmm. Hard to um think of something that we haven't talked about. Yes, it really so was. So that's kind of what I've tried to yeah. do. Um, it's not going to be The Mummy, don't worry. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be Election, which is what I picked last year. Yep. Um, it is going to be Office Space. Oh, great pick. And it yeah. was nearly the talented Mr. Ripley. Wow, another great pick. Uh, but that's one we've talked about quite a bit. We've, yeah. We've talked about talented Mr. Ripley. Exactly. At, at least privately surrounding mm-hmm. Finding Desperado. We've Big inspiration for that. How cool that movie mm. is and the book as well. But Office Space is one I haven't really had a chance to discuss. Mm. It's just, 
it when I watch the works of Mike Judge, mm. which is quite a lot, yeah. Um, somehow over the years, Mike Judge has become one of those creators that when I know there's more of his work to discover, I get so fucking excited mm. and I go, oh, yeah, I get more of this guy's brain. Mm. I get to cut an incision in there. Finally, and- we can watch Extract. Jump. That's one I have never watched. It's good. It's really good. <laughs> really? Yeah, I like Extract I've just never gone in on it based it's on like, the front cover of the DVD, I oh, guess. I remember seeing it when it came out. Didn't get through a theatrical release here, but it's yeah. a good movie. I should watch it. Yeah. Because I'm currently watching um, this series that I discovered on Binge called uh, Tales from the Tour Bus, mm. which is documentary. It's a documentary about different musicians from... The first series is all about country musicians from the 70s and 80s. The second season is all about funk musicians from oh, the wow, 70s okay. and 80s. I've never even heard of this. I'd never heard of it either. It's Talking Heads uh, interviews with all these stars from that ah, era, okay. like Bootsy Collins oh, and people God. like that. But it's all been animated in Mike Judge's style mm. and the stories that they're telling are animated as well. So, it'll cut from uh, like an animated Beavis mm. and Butthead looking Bootsy yeah. to the story that he's telling in like this crazy, like weird animated psychedelic mm. style. It's really fucking cool and I just love it. And Mike Judge narrates it, did the drawings, did the interviews. So cool. Mm. Um, I just love him. Office Space is Maybe one of my favorite comedies of all time. It's probably one of his best works. I've worked in a lot of offices. I can relate. Yeah. If you have, you will too. Yeah. Big recommend. It's the best. It's mm-hmm. one of the best comedies. I've gone different direction as well because I was trying to avoid the ones that we've talked about in that yeah. Millennium Mindfuck stuff. Mm. A lot of our favorite movies come out in this 99 year. And I picked one that is really in my, like, probably in my top kind of five movies of all time, uh, Pedro Almodovar's All About My Mother. I watch this movie a lot. Probably every couple of years I chuck it on. Pedro is one of my heroes, and I think this is my favorite of his films. And it is like such a freaking fantastic movie. Have you ever seen it? Never. You will love it. I have a big blind spot for Almodovar. You would love this because this is his take on Opening Night, the Cassavetes movie. Mm. I know you'll have a big soft spot for that film. Love Opening Night. This is like his kind of take. It begins at the same place as Opening Night, basically, Mm -hmm. where there's this young teenage boy. When I first saw this movie, I would have been a teenager and his mother... And he is obsessed with this actress, this Spanish theater actress. And they go to get her autograph and then he's hit by a car and dies. And so, the rest of the movie is about his mother and like Mm. her life after that. And it is just fantastic. Like I think it is one of – it really is like up there for my favorite films of all time. You've got an early Penelope Cruz performance Mm -hmm. in there as well. Um, Yeah, it's just like such a – like I, I'm always drawn to mother and son movies. Like this, I really find that like a fascinating thing uh, to explore cinematically. And I think no one really does it like Pedro Moldova. Mm. And I think doing it from an angle where it's a one-sided look. You don't. The son stops existing. Mm. What is the mother's life now? Mm. Beautiful film. Beautiful mm. film. Funny, melodramatic, interesting slice of life to a place that you probably don't have any insight into except for this film. Cool movie. Huge recommendation. Number one ninety nine for me and Matrix probably ties it, I would say. <laughs> Matrix is up there for me. Matrix so ties just it. Just didn't want to mention it mm. again. We've spent enough time literally in the Matrix. Living in the Matrix. <laughs> Two thousand. 
the millennium. Mm-hmm. Wow, what an exciting time. Uh I'd like to hear your pick first. Well, mine is pretty obvious. It's the movie Looking for Alabrandi from what 2000. Is that? It's my favorite film of all time. It is a coming of age story about a young Italian Australian girl growing up in the part of Sydney I also grew up Where in. Where is that? It's Sydney, Australia. It's located on the east coast of our country. Hmm. And we are here right now. When I hear Sydney, I think, are you talking about the Paul Thomas Anderson movie? <laughs> Called, also known Called as Heart, Heart 8, 8. <laughs> which is a much better title. <laughs> Um, yeah, I love this movie. It's like, it, f- it feels like my life when I watch it. And when I watch it now, it feels like I'm looking at a photo album of my fucking childhood and my family. Yeah. I love it so much. It's not a photo album, though. It's a feature film. Well, you know, what <laughs> is but a feature film by the photo album at 24 a frames per second? A photo album of people I'm not related to. <laughs> <laughs> but I just love it. It's one. Of, it's just the movie that I it made me want to be creative Greta and stuff. You know? We love Greta Skucky. La Paglia. We love La Paglia. They're all Kick freaking fantastic. Gurry. I love Kick Gurry. Pia Miranda. We love Pia Miranda. And one of our no one else. No one else we care to talk about. No one else in the movie. But I love this movie so much. <laughs> it means so much to me. It was so cool we got Pia to do Finding Desperado as so well. So cool, yeah. Uh, but I just love this movie. If you've never seen it, you got to watch it. It's best teen movie for me. Pia's husband is the guy from Lotel who mm-hmm. did Teenager of the Year from, from the this soundtrack. movie. And also recorded her dialogue from Finding yep. Desperado. Met them both over Zoom mm-hmm. or whatever we were using back then. It was Zoom. It was Zoom? It was Zoom. I can wow. tell you it was Zoom. Exciting stuff. Zoom stuff. But I just love this movie so much. I watch it all the time. Great all flick. the time. All the time I watch this You're movie. You're watching it now. I watch it probably- you got it on an iPod w- mini. I almost watch it every month. But I just like, oh, okay, I don't know what to put on. Just put it on while I potter around and stuff, you know? <laughs> I put on an album normally and just listen to music. Well, that's you. That's me. We're different. <laughs> Um, there's a lot of great movies from this era, but I had to go with a kind of newish one. It's a, a movie that I probably only discovered in the last mm-hmm. three or four years. My dad had been telling me to watch it since I was fucking 13. Yeah. Cool. And I'd always been like, yeah, sounds dumb, not mm. interested. <laughs> Got a stupid name. Yeah. The lead actor is doesn't look that appealing to me. <laughs> I don't know um, what this is going to be. The movie uh, is Sexy Beast. Oh, yes. Which has gone on to Love now it. become one of my favorite movies. Yeah. And I now think the title's cool. It's He is a sexy beast. And I think that Ray Winston is cool. And I just love the movie. I mm. love the tone. I love the music. Yeah. I love how fucking whack it is for mm-hmm. a, a heist gangster movie that's- yeah. Mainly set around a poolside in mm-hmm. Spain and exactly. has a big fucking scary rabbit demon in it yeah. and is told out of order. I just love it. I think it's like one of the most artful crime movies I've ever seen. I love it. I loved it. We talked about it recently. Jonathan Glazer. Yeah, Jonathan I Glazer. Just, I think he's genius. Love the Glazer. I think you got one coming soon, right? A new Glazer flick? Uh, I think I've heard something about a Glazer flick. Yeah, I think you might be right. And they- he does one every like six years. <laughs> Would you? Yeah. Would you? I think mm. also that um, there is that Sexy Beast prequel TV series coming sometime soon. Yeah, couldn't give less of a fuck about that. <laughs> what was Gal Dove doing when he was actually a criminal? I don't care. That's what every crime movie and TV show is. Yeah. Show me what happens in the downtime. That's mm-hmm. why Sopranos is good. Yeah. That's why Tulsa King's going to be good. We're gonna, we can't <laughs> wait for Tulsa King. We want to see someone who's either past their prime mm-hmm. or like- 
not yes. at their prime yet. We don't give a fuck about someone where prime they're killing sucks. it. We don't want to hear someone's prime. No bullshit. I don't care. 2001, Cameron. I got mm. a feeling we might be a match. Um. Okay. Let's do some predictions here mm-hmm. because do you remember what you picked last time? I don't, but I think I might pick the same thing. You picked the same thing. I right? don't know. This I remember last time I picked Wet Hot American Summer. Well, that's what I picked this time. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Good pick. Yeah. Perfect pick. No problem with that. I love this movie so much. It's very hard to not for me to not pick it this time. Mm. But yeah. I just think it's the coolest. It's my favorite, mm. coolest comedy. Yep. I think it is one of those first, like true discoveries. I remember finding a DVD store mm-hmm. and they've been like, it just came out on DVD and I was like, what is this? David mm-hmm. Hyde Pierce. I love him. <laughs> Yeah, you're Janine a Garofalo, guy. my favorite. Yeah, yeah. And it, it was the film that introduced mm. me to that whole wave of comedy. Like, yeah. I just loved that film so much. It's important to develop of my own comedic voice. Mm-hmm. Um, funniest movie. If you've never seen it, it's basically a parody of stuff like Dazed and Confused. Yeah, pretty of, much. Of, like, a slice of historic life. What life was like for teenagers back in, like, the 70s. It would be kind of fun to watch it as a double feature with Dazed and Confused. Because- I presented them together as a double feature at film school. Oh, they, it's a great pick because they are sort of you know flip sides of the same Mm. coin they're both hangout comedies but one is sentimental and sincere and the other one is drenched in irony i think they achieve the same thing which is a nostalgia Mm. through those two modes days Mm. through sincerity wet hot through irony and achieves the same thing it's interesting with those guys like with david wayne and michael showalter what they would do later leans more into parody and and Mm. comedy like and broad comedy. I think yes. the the two Wet Hot series are both great, mm. both very funny, very cool, very crazy. But when you rewatch Wet Hot American Summer, the movie, parts of it are played quite straight. Mm. There are big chunks of dialogue and scenes between characters that are pretty normal and, like, they're not even that funny. They're just yeah. sort of, like, they're spot-on camp movie parodies but if mm. you haven't seen the camp movies you don't know what you don't they're parodying need to. yeah like i i watched meatballs after i watched wet hot american mm. summer and I i've went, never oh, seen that's meatballs. what they're doing i've never seen it well that's what they're doing yeah <laughs> they're doing meatballs like it's the same thing well that's what was your pick last time what's your pick this time this time 2001 um i nearly i had a few picks that i nearly went with i nearly went with tenenbaums I nearly went with Zoolander, two stiller picks. <laughs> um, I nearly went with Donnie Darko. I decided to go with Ocean's Eleven. I've talked about that enough mm. on this show. I don't need to talk about it again. Yep. But I will say three words. Funny, sexy, mm-hmm. cool. It is certainly freaking sexy. It is certainly freaking cool. And guess what? I also deem it to be funny. And that's all we need to say about Ocean's Eleven. Mm-hmm, Moving absolutely. on. Moving on to the next year in history, which is 2002. Two. Now, listen, so far we've had no matchups. Mm-hmm. We came close just then. That was a close that call. That was a close call. I think this year, if we're going to have a matchup, it's in this year. And I'm going to tell you, it's not going to happen this time. You've picked another wacko one? I picked a wacko one for this one. Ah, oh, damn it. But what have you picked? Well, I picked one that I thought for sure you would have picked. Mm-hmm. Catch me if you can. Yeah, it was close. Mm. I, but I decided to zag a little bit. Yeah. Tell me about Catch Me If You Can. It's one of my... Every year I watch this movie for Christmas. It's, it's my a, Christmas It's a movie. great Christmas movie. Mm. 
Um, it's my favorite Spielberg movie. It's a great Spielberg joint. Mm-hmm. It's a great Leo Leo joint. joint. It's a great Tom joint. It's my favorite Tom joint too. It's a great Walken joint. Maybe my favorite Walken joint. Yeah. Maybe my favorite Amy Adams joint. Great Amy Adams. My favorite Jennifer Garner movie. Yes. My favorite movie featuring taxi cabs and planes of the 1960s (laughs) design. My favorite Pan Am movie. Oh, probably Hook. Actually, that's also Spielberg movies, but it's not. (laughs) I just like it. I don't Mm. really have much more to say other than like, I just find it incredibly fun, Mm. incredibly playful. And um, even though I wasn't around in the 60s when I watched this movie, I feel like I was, you know. Wow. It's very like Spielberg has a good way of grounding you in whatever era he's filming in and this is one of those movies where I watch it and go, yeah, I guess I was in the 60s. This yeah. Cool. Well, cool. if you remember the 60s, you weren't actually there. And so. I wasn't, so, so I remember was. It. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't, so I don't, so I guess I was. Mm, my pick 2002 mm-hmm. is by director Lena Ramsey. It's her second film. The movie is Morven Callow. Never heard of it. Weirdest name. That's someone's name in the movie. That's a character's name. Like regarding Henry. It's in regards to Henry, it's similar. And mm. in regards to Henry Stone, it's a movie I rent, lent him recently going, this will be one of your favorite movies. He reported back, I absolutely adored it. Nice. Um, you should check this one out. It's a really cool, odd little movie. Great summer vibes. But Morven Keller wakes up on Christmas morning, and she's played by Samantha Morton, by the way. Mm-hmm wakes up on Christmas morning to discover that her troubled boyfriend has died by suicide, leaving behind the unpublished manuscript to his first novel and a sum of money intended to pay for his burial. Instead, Morven attempts to use both to reinvest in her life. So she takes the novel manuscript, the first thing she does, deletes his name, writes Morven Kala. And so she gets this novel published and becomes like someone with a hot literary career about to start. Yeah, that's fine. And uses the money to go on a holiday to Ibiza. That's a cool premise. Really, really cool premise. One of the great performances Samantha Morton's ever done. Mm. Fantastic performance. Very strange little movie. Like there's kind of nothing quite like it. Mm. And uh, it's one that I would really highly suggest people check out because it's not that well known. Lynn Ramsey has gone on to become quite a director of note with stuff like uh, You Were Never Really There and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, great filmmaker, but this is probably my favorite movie of hers. I think it's a very cool, fucking weird movie. Cool movie, weird title. Mm, great Christmas. <clears throat> we picked two Christmas movies. Well, it was the Christmas year, 2002. Of course, it was the year that I finally started celebrating Christmas. The year I finally saw Santa Claus <laughs> yeah. and he was going down on my mum. <laughs> My favorite song. I saw Santa Claus going down on my mom. <laughs> and dad was watching and whacking off. <laughs> and originally, the premise of that song was... <laughs> the premise is that, oh, I saw mommy kissing Santa Claus and I don't realize that Santa Claus is my dad. Yeah. And that's what it is. Yeah. But you're just like, oh, <laughs> dad was there too. Santa is real. Santa's real. And dad was there and they were... <laughs> They were all getting freaky. Yeah, and Dad was getting the cookies that night, it turns out. (laughs) And providing his own milk. (laughs) 2003, Cameron, what are we looking at? 2003, um, oh, God, I feel, I don't want to, I narrowed this down to two, Mm -hmm. and I don't know which one to pick because one is, they're both very mainstream movies. Mm. One is a mainstream comedy. The other is a mainstream, I guess, dramedy, drama. Yeah. 
you know, they're both basic and they're both pretty obvious. I'm going to put them both up and you can pick for me. Wow, okay. Um, number one is uh, Lost in Translation. Oh, Sophia great Coppola. pick. Yeah, okay. I rewatched it again recently and just mm-hmm. fell in love with the whole vibe of that movie, mm-hmm. the whole tone. Love her aesthetic. Love her aesthetic. Love Virgin Suicides maybe mm-hmm. even a little more. Yeah, but I, of course. I really do love this. Well, title alone, you're like, mm, I'm going to suck my language. Yeah, suicide. <laughs> um, and the next pick is School of Rock. Oh, Linklater. Linklater, Mike White and Jack Black. Yeah. Holy frick. And Joan Cusack. <sighs> Oh boy, Tough Sarah one. Silverman. Sarah Silverman pops up in there. Um, have we had a link later on the list? No, we have had a Coppola. Yeah, so not the same. Coppola. I got to pick Dick. We got to pick Dick. We're picking Dick Linklater yeah. with School of Rock. I love School of Rock. We saw the musical we of it. We saw together. the musical of it. Shout out to all the cast of the Australian musical School of Rock. You did us proud on that day. Yep. Hello, you got our attention. And guess what? The our favorite line from the movie, "Hello, you got a bass," does not appear in the musical version. They had a new bit. He had a new bit. The guy, I don't know if he ad libbed mm-hmm. it, if it was written into the script. Mm-hmm. But do you remember what it was? I remember. He said uh, to the guy that plays the cello, instead of going, cello, you got a bass. Turn it on its side. Now it's a bass. Mm. He says, you get that cello, you turn it on its side. Cello darkness, my old friend. Yeah. And you know what? Not as good. But not bad. Not bad. Not a bad stab. Not, not it's honestly not a bad Not stab. a punch up. A punch across. Yeah, it's a punch across. And I, I, I admire a punch across like that. Yeah. Like it's it's... Worthy of throwing mm-hmm. it out in the writer's room. Yeah. But if I was there, I would have said, let's stick with the original. It's just funny to say cello. Yeah, cello. <laughs> it's so funny. But cello darkness, my old friend. <laughs> it's also pretty funny. It's funny, but it's trying a little too hard. Yeah, but sometimes you have to. You can't just do the same thing again and again. Like us doing lists this, of favorite lists movies. Of favorite movies. <laughs> <laughs> my pick from 2003, Park Channel Walks Old Boy. Old boy? When old. are we going to get an old girl? That's what I want to know. Well, let's hope one day <laughs> they make the old chick remake of Old Boy. <laughs> um, I love this movie. It was a real introduction to world cinema for me uh-huh. as a teenager when this movie came out. Uh, Did you see that and uh, Itchy the Killer around the same time? I've actually never seen Itchy the Killer. Mm. Never seen Itchy the Killer. But these were like, you know, when uh, Eastern cinema was really becoming Poppin'. quite- mainstream mm-hmm. to the cult cinephile audience. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember seeing this movie in high school, getting mm. that freaking DVD because it yep. was like on every list. Um, I love it. It's still got one of the best twists and turns that a flick has ever done. It's really horny mm. if you're into that stuff. Yeah, really horny. Which I am. Park Chan-wook's <laughs> new movie, In Cinemas Now, Decision to Leave, also horny. Mm. Kind of like a new, it's very cool. It's like Basic Instinct meets Vertigo. It's like the mm. best kind of modern day Hitchcockian thing I've seen ever. Nice. Really fantastic update. You can hitch your cock to that movie anytime. Absolutely. It's the first Hitchcock style movie to have Apple Watches featured throughout. Wow, very cool. Very cool, cool movie, decision to leave, but oh boy, it's all time for me. Yeah, it's great. The less you know about it, the better. If somehow you've avoided to know too yeah. much about Old Boy. I had had it spoiled for me when I watched it. It's still mm. great, but it's mm. um you know, it's nice to not know this stuff. Yeah. Also, could, what do you think of the reboot? Uh, Spike, I've only jo- Spike Lee. Spike Lee. Yeah, I remember yeah. being very excited about because Spike Lee is one of my heroes. Brolin. Brolin. I remember yeah. at one point one in time it was 
uh, Elizabeth. Mm. Elizabeth Olsen and Michael Imperioli. Mm. And I believe it is Chappie. Mm, the robot. The, the main guy from Chappie <laughs> who plays the robot. Who plays Chappie. <laughs> Shalto. Yeah, Chappie. <laughs> Shalto Copley? Yeah, Chappie. Chappie. Chappie, Chappie. Um, he, I, I don't know. I've only seen it once, but I, I you know, it was one of those I ones. never saw it. Yeah, I'm going to revisit again soon, I think. I didn't want to. I was just like, why? And what is mm. the point of this? I love this old boy score. Um, every time I watch it, I always take pleasure in the journey of mm. like what the detective story is. Mm. Fantastic. Great movie. Great movie. Great pick. 2004. Mm-hmm. The Olympics <clears throat> are in Greece. Oh, wow. And And you know what they did there. Yeah. Let's just say some of those oil, the wrestlers were having a great time back in the day. Yeah, they were very comfortable. Mm -hmm. 2004, um, I've gone with a comedy again. A lot of my picks are comedies because they do bring me immense joy. And it informs your voice as well. It informs my voice. I work within the medium of comedy. A lot Mm. of comedians will say that they mainly watch dramas. Mm. I am one of the few who proudly says, yeah, I watch a fuckload of comedies. Yeah. I like comedy. Mm-hmm. I like to laugh. I like to see what other people do to make people laugh. Mm-hmm. And then I like to make people laugh. Yeah, you love to make people way. laugh. That's your own thing. I've picked one that is, um, oh, you know, like, I really like this movie mm. a lot. And I do think that its reputation um, amongst film fans spoils it somewhat for me and especially the way that people lionize this movie oh, and wow, okay. and the aesthetic of it. Mm-hmm. It's Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, great pick. I really love it still. Mm. I know that the Edgar Wright style has kind of been done to death a little yeah. bit. And, I, and I'm one of those people who quite likes Edgar's later movies as well. Mm. Like, I love the entire Cornetto trilogy. Mm-hmm. I liked Baby Driver enough. I think it for the car chases alone, it's pretty sensational looking movie. Mm. And I liked Last Night in Soho. I know you didn't like it that much. I, I thought it was quite mm. cool and it looked great. I had a good vibe. Yeah. Scott it's, Pilgrim, you haven't said. What do you like? I really I like Scott Pilgrim. I don't like it as much as mm. maybe you do. I think Scott Pilgrim may be my favorite and then probably this right after. Yeah. I love this movie. Shaun I just of the think Dead. for a for a you know, an introduction to someone's voice. Mm. Um, not just his, obviously, but like... Simon Pegg. Yeah, Simon Pegg's as well. Even Nick Frost as an actor. Mm. It's pretty unmatched for a comedy. Yeah. And it it has a lot to answer for, both good and bad. I agree, but, you know, we are... if uh, We are of that age where this was important to yeah, finding our important. own comedic style and yeah. cinematic style and all that stuff. Totally. And I love, like, I love genre. And so, mm. this was one of those first genre benders. I was like, wow, this is fucking really doing it. I think it's probably the, the definitive horror comedy in our lifetime. And, you know, because I, I, I quite like horror comedy too. Mm. Like, I know you do. And um, the ones that are great are like, I'd put them on par with some of the best movies ever mm. but the ones that aren't quite good are more disappointing than anything yeah. like if something's not funny enough and not scary mm. it hurts yeah to watch where you're sort of like what am i doing here i'm not laughing and i'm not scared what mm. is this then and so it's a really hard balance and i think this movie might be you know it's up there in the top three horror comedies of all time yeah. probably yeah probably mm. that and then I guess American Werewolf. Yeah, and maybe Evil Dead mm. too, or something. I don't know. Yeah, Gremlins. I, yeah. I put Gremlins up there pretty yeah, high. That's or, true. 
Yeah, Scream, definitely. Yeah. yeah it's, but it's, yeah, I, I picked it this time. And I say it with some sadness, but I also uh, can't deny it. Yeah. It's an undeniable movie. I got to rewatch it. It's been a very long time for me because mm. uh, I loved those Edgar films, those early ones. The latest two where he kind of leaves the genre bending away, like of of blending it with comedy. Mm. Um, I've not loved as much, but I still really have so much respect for him as a filmmaker and as like you know a cinephile he's like one of the great cinephiles of our mm. time um he's introduced me to so many great films and movies i would never have heard of mm. uh and so he is like a life hero for me you know especially going to film school it's like fuck man i want to do that shit and then mm. i thankfully didn't interpret it too uh, on the nose, like with yeah. what I wanted to do, thankfully, because um, that would be so insufferable. But he is like a man. He's a, he's a great. He's a great. He's a great. Yeah, he's a great. He's a great. I love that movie. I'm also in comedy. It's a movie we've talked about on the podcast before. Fifty First Dates. Mm. I love the mm. Sandman. I love Adam Sandler. I nearly picked that too. I love Drew Barrymore. I love this movie. Yeah, it means a lot to me. It's one of my favorite romantic comedies. It's your favourite Rob Schneider performance. I think it is. I love his performance in this movie. Mm. Yeah, it's one of my more psycho qualities is how much <laughs> I love him in this movie. But great film. We've talked about it a lot. Uh, one of my favourite Total Reboot episodes, but I love that movie so much. Let's Do- move on to 2005. And, and this is our final pick in this episode. Final pick. We'll pick up uh, next week. Mm-hmm. We'll do from 05 to now. Mm-hmm. But uh, I feel like this is a good time to, to leave it off. Mm-hmm. Um, and to wrap it up for this episode, right now. it's a tough one. Mm. Do you want to go first or should I? Yeah, I've got mine ready. Okay, go this for it. This is a movie we've talked about a bit because it is. it became one of our favorite TV shows. This is The Magician. Oh, fuck. Yeah, this is one of my favorite freaking discoveries of all time. Great pick. Scott Ryan, Australian filmmaker, he went on to make Mr. Inbetween based on the same character from The Magician, who is a low-level hitman in Australia's kind of underworld scene. And this movie, The Magician, is a freaking faux documentary Mm. about the day-to-day life of a hitman. Uh cool movie it mm. feels so underground i remember seeing it on the shelves of the video store going what the hell is that getting it out and just going whoa how does mm. people not know this movie exists mm. has been so hidden for so long until that freaking mr in between series went you know made it more known i yeah, guess yeah. i love that tv show so much yeah mr uh, in between fucking mm-hmm. rules the magician is a great blueprint for mm. where that show ended up going it's so interesting to watch it and see the tonal differences. Like, mm. obviously, it's a faux documentary, but it's also darker, maybe. Like, it's mm. funny, but it's not as... Mr. Between is funnier. Yeah. There's more kind of fish-out-of-water comedy or whatever in that show. But, yeah, it's interesting. And when we had Nash... I can't remember if Nash uh, Edgerton talked about this when he was on our show or if he just talked about it mm. off mic, but he saw it... At uh, at like the Bondi Pavilion, it was mm. screening in a short film festival, a twenty minute version of yeah. the Magician, and he was like, "What the fuck is this?" And he got obsessed with it. Mm. And then the guy was like, "Yeah, I've shot enough footage to maybe make a feature. I'm not sure." And he was like, "You got to fucking make the feature. Yeah. Like, just edit it together." Well, and then they ended up getting involved and mm. helping him 
fund some post-production. Yeah. Putting some fucking bullets. Some bullets in there. Bullets in there and shit. It's a really cool story and like Scott Ryan's career is obviously a fascinating one Mm. to go from that to obscurity to a fantastic show mm. over the course of 15 years. It's and fucking it's, mental. He's like, it's he's probably not interested in doing much else. He likes that. Yeah, I'd be curious to know what's next for him. I, I mm. feel like he's working on something, but I can't mm. remember if I made that up. Yeah, or... out of hope. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, great voice. I think it's such a cool movie. Yeah, very cool movie. Great pick. Your last pick in this episode, Cameron, before we wrap up part one. Okay, last time I picked Wedding Crashes, mm, and that I was remember. a source of controversy. It was. It was a wild pick. It was a wild pick. <laughs> and I stood by it at the you time. Did. yeah. And uh, because it, it is something that I watched a lot when I was younger. I have since watched it within the last few months. And it's- I've said this to you. I When I'm stressed out, when I'm heavily mm-hmm. stressed- Something that really calms me down is watching frat pack humor. Yeah, like big budget studio mm-hmm. comedies from the two thousands mm. and the nineties. So I've watched over the last six months. I've been a bit um, mentally stressed out mm-hmm. and a bit unwell, and I've hit against. I've hit a wall a few times, and I found myself watching all the frat pack movies, mm. all the Jim Carrey movies, all the Sandler movies, all the Farrelly Brothers movies. I revisit all the Vince Vaughn, Owen Wilson sort of mm. things. I rewatched Wedding Crashes maybe three months ago, and I think I come down on the line of it sucks. Wow! But it has really funny performances in it. I can't believe you just said that. I think it's, I think they're great stars and they're yeah. great comedy stars, and I think they do great wow. work in it. Yeah, but. As a whole, I have to stand back and look at Wedding Crashes and say, not a good movie, borderline evil movie. Wow, okay. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Um, I watched uh, the so, in- their other movie, The Internship. And, and you were like, no, nah, this is liked it. it. <laughs> this is it. This is what they do. I really liked it. Wow. Anyway, so I'm not picking Wedding Crashes this time, but mm. I am going to pick another comedy. Okay, um, Chicken Little. No. Any other guesses? <laughs> um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Did that come out that year? That came out that year. No, not Charlie. We've also got Factory. Sin City. Not that funny, but... <laughs> no, it's not that one. <laughs> um, could there be another Tim Burton joint, The Corpse Bride? No. But the... is that technically Henry Selick? No, because that's the other one. That's the other one. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's uh, Coraline Nightmare Before and Nightmare. Christmas, yeah. I'll just tell you what it is. It is V for Vendetta. No, but it does have a V in it. And how many Vs? 40 of them? Well, it has one V and then that V gets lost. Wow, okay. Yes, it's the 40-year-old virgin. You guessed correctly. Wonderful picture. 40-year-old virgin. I really, really love this movie. I think it is incredibly sweet. And I think I love Judd's style. I still Mm. love Judd's movies. Me too. Um. I like the stuff that he's making with young filmmakers now. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed King of Staten Island. I loved King of Staten Island. Yeah, yeah. I, I really think he's a pretty special filmmaker. Mm. And uh, this movie is a great one. It introduces us to a whole bunch of stars. Huge launch off as well. Launch pad for a lot of people. Um, I also love the idea that it started life as a sketch character. It started life oh, yeah. as a, a sketch character that Steve Carell kind of did on stage. Yeah. At the groundlings of like this guy who was very obviously a virgin, mm. but was bragging about having sex and 
by the way he described it, it was mm. clear that he hadn't. Yeah. And then that grew into this kind of very like a sweet, real, nuanced character, nuanced character, yeah. nuanced film with big set pieces and also a lot of heart. And I just love it. Wow. I highly rate it. And I know it's hack, but I love I it. I love that movie too. <laughs> I, I really, really love it. Great yeah. pick, Cameron. What a superb ending to what has been a spectacular podcast. And there's a superb ending uh, at the end of 40-Year-Old Virgin. He of finally course. blows his wad. And we celebrate that. When people blow their loads, we get them to text gong into the podcast. <laughs> Message us if you currently have successfully mm. lost your virginity. <laughs> yeah. If you're 40 plus and you've just lost your virginity, Text message Gong in. to us. Yeah. And we'll be like, we're proud of you. Yeah, we'll be so stoked for you. Mm-hmm. Well, what a wonderful way to end it. Next week, we're going to continue on until we get to the current day. From 06 to 2022. Yep. This is but a halfway point. And yes. thank you so much to everyone that's been with us for 200 episodes plus mm. or thereabouts on this podcast. We have achieved so many things that we're very proud of because of your help and support and uh, your, your continued devotion to this show. Yep. So thank you. Thank you so much. We really, really love you. We think you're three words, funny, sexy, and cool. That is true. Mm. Well, you guys are some of the funniest freaking fans in podcasting. Yeah, I, the best. Some of our fondest memories, I would say, would be in the lockdown, watching movies mm. in a chat room, uh, watching The Matrix, watching The Mummy, watching yep. Hackers, watching freaking uh, Swordfish in multiple mm. lockdowns. They were so much fun. I think it got us through those early days with totally. how funny you guys were. Totally. And then also we think you're sexy. We've checked out your profiles. Yeah, we've had squiz. Also, you like this podcast, so you're obviously cool. Obviously. Cameron, you've got some gigs coming up in the next week or so. I do. I am coming to Tasmania. It's my first time doing a solo show in Tasmania. November 17, I'm in Hobart at the Hobart Brewing Co., and November 18, I'm in Launceston at Bogues Brewery. I'm doing my show Electric Dreams. A bunch of tickets are gone already, but I would love it if you could snap up the last ones. It'll probably be the only time I do that show in Tassie and um, very excited to do it. Also, shout out to the uh, listener who sent me a bunch of great recommendations for food and mm. drinks and hikes to do while I'm in Tassie. Because yeah. I'm going to be there for about 12 days just chilling out after that. So I'm really looking forward to using your suggestions and chilling out in the beautiful map of Tassie. Beautiful. Okay. <laughs> Interesting way to phrase that at the end. Uh, all I want to put people towards is watching, re-watching, sharing, finding Jesus. Mm. We're so proud of it. We've just started doing some research on what we would want to do in that same field. So please watch it and share it amongst your buddies. Please do. And thank you for joining us for 200 episodes. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Uh, to episode 201 or thereabouts will be next week mm-hmm. where we continue on. Love you very much. Check out the Patreon if you want more stuff. Uh, but until then, please celebrate some more.